You know, those who are swallowed up by pride, God will judge them and the time will come. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV as we study through the Bible. We are looking at Jeremiah chapter 50 today. It is a very, very interesting day to get your Bible out and begin to read it with us. But Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. I'm looking ahead to Jeremiah chapter 52 and the note that Jeremiah leaves about Jehoiachin, right? Today I'm looking at the life and tragic end of the last of the Judean kings, Zedekiah. Yeah, he was, uh, there, there was problems there. He was a very interesting guy. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll talk about that. Janice? It's our fun Friday wrap-up. I hope you think it's fun. Anyway, there's a lot of people that do, and I'm going to ask a question anywhere from our reading from the last seven days from Jeremiah chapter 29 all the way through 50. Ryan and Corey are going to be put on a hot spot. They're going to have to answer the question. See if you can too. Jeremiah 50, verses 11 through 16. Because you were glad, because you rejoiced, you destroyers of my heritage, because you have grown fat like a heifer threshing grain, and you bellow like bulls, your mother shall be deeply ashamed. She who bore you shall be ashamed. Behold, the least of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but she shall be wholly desolate. Everyone who goes by Babylon shall be horrified and hiss at all her plagues. Put yourselves in array against Babylon all around all you who bend the bow. Shoot at her, Spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Shout against her all around. She has given her hand. Her foundations have fallen. Her walls are thrown down, for it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her. As she has done, so do to her. Cut off the sower from Babylon and him who handles the sickle at harvest time. For fear of the oppressing sword, everyone shall turn to his own people and everyone shall flee to his own land. Jeremiah chapter 50 verses 11 through 16. Jeremiah chapter 49 and 50 are what we read going through the Bible. It is interesting to hear what God says to us. You know, Babylon is a famous city from ancient Mesopotamia. And in the Akkadian language, the language of the time, it meant gate of God or gate of the gods. Now, the English word Babel and Babylon are derived from the same Hebrew word that means confusion. During the days of Jeremiah, Babylon had grown into a nation, an empire that God empowered to conquer Judah and Jerusalem. The temple of God would be burned and every place pillaged. But remember that it was God who empowered them to do so. As unbelievable as it seems to the ancient Judeans, 
God had empowered Babylon to do this. God utilized Babylon's own sinful drives to deliver his judgment. God's judgment was not limited to Judah, though. Babylon, too, was being observed by God. Their choices would condemn or excuse them. The prophet Jeremiah was given God's message of the future downfall of the ancient city of the kingdom of Babylon. The prophecy likely brought a sense of welcome relief. Still, it would not stop God's judgment regarding Judah's apostasy. Very interesting as we begin to learn and study this. Now, remember that if you don't have a Bible guide, call or write to us and we'll send you one. It'll be great. Or if you want to go to Bible Discovery TV and we'll send you one and get you one by clicking on the, the Bible guide page, it'll take you to another page saying donations. Thank you for your donations. And then, of course, it'll take you to a place where you can download it as we printed it. And this is bad news for Babylon. Everybody heard about Babylon all this time, but now this is bad news for Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 11 to 16. Father, help us today. We're going to read about how you have navigated through history using all of the choices of men. But help us, Lord, to understand why and how you did it, because we need to learn from this today. We need to learn from your Bible today. Very important for us, Father. Be with us, Holy Spirit. Come into our hearts and be with us now in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, let's go to the scripture because this is really good today. Jeremiah 50, verse 11 to 12. Watch this. Because you were glad, because you rejoiced, you destroyers of my heritage. Now, that first line, just that part of the first line is incredible. Because you were glad, because you rejoiced, you destroyers of my heritage, because you have grown fat like the heifer's threshing grain and you bellow like bulls, your mothers or your mother shall be deeply ashamed and she who bore you shall be ashamed. Behold, the last or the least of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land and the desert. Wow. Ancient Babylon was destroyed by her pride. Every great kingdom is destroyed by its pride. Beloved, listen. The one thing that kills people, kills nations and kills businesses or kills anything else is pride. When we believe we're great and we're higher than everybody else, well, that, that's when we start to see destruction. And I don't need to say too much about that because if you watch the news, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pride is not good, beloved. And Babylon had that pride. And God had helped Babylon, but they took it all the way with their pride. And that was a problem. All right. Now let's go on to the scripture. One verse here. It's very interesting. It says, because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but she shall be wholly desolate. Everyone who goes by Babylon shall be horrified and hiss at her plagues. This is interesting. The wrath of God, the wrath of God bears down on those who are swallowed up by pride. The wrath of God. Christians know that they are not good, but it is God who is good and 
is good through them. Now, we need to understand this, okay? I say to people all the time when I was preaching, uh, I, I say to people, I'm not the one who's good. If you have any good in my preaching or my sermon, praise God. People would say to me, thank you, Rod, a good message. They say, praise the Lord. People say to me, Rod, you're just doing a great job. Praise the Lord. I give all credit to God because I understand what it means when we get into pride. It, it's a problem, beloved. We cannot do that. We have to, because it's the Lord who does it. It's the Lord who helps us. I mean, God uses us. And we have to recognize that and make sure people know that. That's important. So let's keep in mind that idea. All right, Jeremiah 50, verses 14 to 16 says, Put yourselves in array against Babylon all around. All you who bend the bow, shoot at her and spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Shout against her all around. She has given her hand, her foundations have fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her. As she has done, so do to her. Did you hear that? As she has done, so do to her. Cut off the sower from Babylon and him who handles the sickle at harvest time. For fear of the oppressing sword, everyone shall turn to his own people. And everyone shall flee to his own land. You know, this is really important. God commanded the enemies of Babylon to turn on her and kill her because God was in control. You see, remember this. Pride is deadly because it makes us think that we are gods. But there is only one God. I just need to explain this further. A lot of people talk about self-esteem. And a lot of people have self-help books, you know, think you're great, love yourself and all this other stuff. I'll tell you the truth. I could not love myself until I fell in love with God. And I went to the Lord and the Lord spoke to me. And because he paid attention to me and helped me and saved me, then I can love myself. Did you get that? See, James says this. He says, you know, we don't need self-esteem. He said, lift up your heart to God. and then. God will be praised. And when you do that, he will give you strength and esteem. What we need is Christ's esteem. We don't need self-esteem. As Christians, we need to lift up Christ and say, the Lord is good. So I will say to you this, if there's any benefit to this program, if there's any good in Ryan or Corey or Janice or myself, if there's anything you see and you like, if there's anything, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God. It is his Holy Spirit who helps us. He is the one. So I would say, praise the Lord. They would say, praise the Lord. And may I say to you that you would say, praise the Lord. Because it is God who is the one who, who works in us, who does all of this. And we need to keep that in our hearts and in our minds every second of every day. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, 
we're there. Get a hold of it, watch us anytime you want to. Today, you and I are going to look ahead a little bit to tomorrow's assigned reading. We're going to be taking a look at the last chapter in Jeremiah chapter 52. Now, Jeremiah chapter 52 contains a really interesting notation about what happened to Jehoiachin. So remember that King Jehoiachin, uh, he took over for his father after his father had rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. And Jehoiachin was only on the throne of Jerusalem for about three months before he was taken into Babylonian captivity himself and put into prison as, you know, a, a, a royal member of the uh, Judean household. Uh, but the notation in Jeremiah chapter 52 matches a notation given to us in the book of 2 Kings that at a certain point, Jehoiachin was actually released from prison and as a captive king, he was allowed to eat at the king um, the king of Babylon's table. Interestingly, this has been corroborated uh, through the work of history and archaeology. Take a look. The last five kings of Jerusalem ruled during the uncertain times of the 7th and 6th centuries BC. The empire of Assyria, along with her ally Egypt, were failing and falling to the ever-growing power of the new Babylonian empire, led by her kings, Nebuchadnezzar and his general son, Nebuchadnezzar. By the time Jehoiachin of Jerusalem had risen to the throne, Judah was in a bad state. Forced to become vassals of Babylon years earlier, Jehoiachin's father had rebelled against the empire, inviting open war to the borders of Judah. The Babylonian army advanced and succeeded, defeating Jehoiachin's father Jehoiakim and allowing Jehoiachin to rule on the throne for a mere three months and ten days before deporting him to Babylon, the same deportation that took the prophet Ezekiel to Babylon and the valuable utensils from the Jerusalem temple. This portion of history is known both from the Bible and the records of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. A cuneiform tablet from Nebuchadnezzar's excavated palace was found and translated in 1955, saying, In the seventh year, the king assembled his army. He encamped over against the city of the Judeans and conquered it. He took the king prisoner and appointed in his stead a king after his own heart. Forced to live in Babylon as a prisoner king, a trophy of sorts to Babylon's greatness, Jehoiachin oddly shows up twice more in the scripture's records. There is an account of his good treatment, the daily rations given to him, and even an eventual release from prison to live as some sort of official in the royal courts of Nebuchadnezzar's son. Verification of this good treatment was also discovered in Nebuchadnezzar's excavated palace. In a stash of administrative documents, one was translated that named the captive king of the land of Judah, Jehoiachin, and then listed the specific amounts of food given to him daily as ordered by the king of Babylon. So there we go. It's always very cool when history and archaeology and the Bible line up like that, when they go so perfectly, especially because this is such an interesting kind of steer away from what's going on in Jeremiah and 2 Kings. It's just a notation that's added on afterwards. I mean, it does speak to God's faithfulness in the exile, you know, where the, there's people in the exile and they're struggling, and yet God's favor is still with them even then and there. And it also, 
verifies Jeremiah's prophecy against um, Jehoiachin, where uh, the kings of, of Judah would not come from his line uh, and he would die in exile, uh, but yet still with God's favor, which is very interesting here. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, what's fascinating to me is we know only that he was there but when it comes to the details of archaeology, we know how much food he had. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, how much I mean, provision he was given. That's fascinating. It's amazing. Uh, very good, Corey. Thank you so much. Okay, Ryan, you're up. All right, well, we're coming up on the end of the book of Jeremiah, which documents the tragic fall of Jerusalem and with it the tragic end of Zedekiah, who was, of course, the last king of Judah. Now, interestingly, both Jeremiah and Ezekiel made prophecies regarding this king's fate. But according to the Jewish Roman historian Josephus, because there seemed to be some discrepancies between the two prophecies, Zedekiah didn't believe them. Well, as it turned out, both prophecies were true. Check it out. It was the 6th century BC and a time of utter turmoil for the Jewish nation. The northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen and Judah in the south was soon to follow. Indeed, in an effort to take control, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar replaced 18-year-old King Jehoiachin of Judah with 21-year-old Mataniah, whom he renamed Zedekiah. Zedekiah reigned from 597 to 586 BC and was the last king of Judah before the nation was destroyed and the Jews were carried off to Babylon, where they would spend the next 70 years. Although Nebuchadnezzar had purposed to set up Zedekiah as a puppet ruler who would pay tribute to Babylon, Zedekiah rebelled. Even though Jeremiah had warned the Judean king to surrender to Babylon or else face destruction, he ultimately ignored the prophet's advice and decided to revolt and attempt to regain Jewish independence. According to Josephus, Zedekiah did not believe Jeremiah because of an apparently contradictory prophecy from the prophet Ezekiel. It happened, says Josephus, that the two prophets agreed with one another in what they said, as in all other things, that the city should be taken and Zedekiah himself should be taken captive. But Ezekiel disagreed with him and said that Zedekiah should not see Babylon, while Jeremiah said to him that the king of Babylon should carry him away thither in bonds. While it first appeared that the two prophets of God were in contradiction and in error, what they prophesied would in fact come to pass. Indeed, when Zedekiah did rebel against Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar came to besiege Jerusalem, but was forced to leave because Zedekiah's Egyptian allies intercepted them. While it appeared that the Babylonian threat was nullified and that God's two prophets were wrong, Jeremiah warned Zedekiah that the Babylonians would return and this time would destroy the city. All of these prophecies were fulfilled in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign when the Babylonians breached the city, destroyed its walls, and burned it to the ground. Again, rather than submitting to Nebuchadnezzar, Zedekiah and those with him fled the city. But the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, to Riblah, where he pronounced judgment on him. Then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. And so these things happened to him, says Josephus, just as Jeremiah and Ezekiel had foretold to him, that he should be caught and brought before the king of Babylon, and should speak to him face to face, and should see his eyes with his own eyes. And thus far did Jeremiah prophesy. But he was also made blind and brought to Babylon, but did not see it 
according to the prediction of Ezekiel. So as we can clearly see through the example of Zedekiah, it's very, very foolish to walk contrary to the Lord's instruction. As God reminds us through his prophet Isaiah, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. You know, choosing man's word over God's word is always a mistake because God's word is never wrong. It's like Romans chapter three, verse four says, let God be true, but every man a liar. And we mustn't forget why God gives us instruction in the first place. It's because he's our heavenly father and he loves us and wants to keep us safe. Throughout scripture, we see God giving human beings a choice between two paths. One of these paths always leads to life and one always leads to death. This began in the Garden of Eden. God wants us to turn and live and he has no desire to seek the destruction of the wicked, but it's up to us to choose that path. Zedekiah tragically took the wrong path. So may we not make the same mistake. We need to make sure that we choose uh, what God has called us to do. A lot of people, when they come to Christ, they come to Christ and they say, okay, God, you can join me in my pursuit. Uh, but God says, no, you follow me. And that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. becomes For sure. Absolutely. I've heard some people describe it as inviting God into your heart, but just a little corner of it. So you want to keep everything else around it that's yours. And, and what we need to do is to allow God to come in and to help us to clean that out. Because there are pockets in our hearts that we sometimes we don't even realize are in there. I think most and of the he, time we don't. He does like a house cleaning, a heart cleaning. And so it's not just about giving God just this little tiny part, but it's about giving all of it over to him. And that might even sound overwhelming to you. Um, and it's not something that just happens like that. It, it's gradual. Remember, and as Ryan pointed out, it's because God loves us, because God loves you. He is your heavenly father and, and he, he wants you to live well. He wants you to live right. So he's there to help you if you want. I, I, you know, it's important because God starts a relationship with us, but in that relationship, the relationship grows. And if we give it attention, God grows in us. And as God grows in us, he begins to take over our heart. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the challenge, the sanctification process. So that's a religious term. A lot of people like to, you know, claim I'm being sanctified. What does that mean? It means you're being changed because the Holy Spirit, God's gift, the promise of the Father, the coming of the Holy Spirit comes into our life to change us. Yeah. Not just to tell everybody else, but to change us. And we're a work in progress. We're in fact, still, we are. None of us have arrived yet, have we? <laughs> no, we haven't. And, you know, this is this is God's great uh, measure of grace. When he looks at us from heaven, that's what he sees. And so it becomes important for us to remember we have to give attention to this relationship, which is why we do the things we do on this program. That is pay attention to the Bible. Those are the words of the Holy Spirit that he wrote to us. And so as we read the word of God and as we understand it, God begins to show us and teach us. Reading Psalms, reading Proverbs is very important, but reading the whole Bible through. So we want to encourage you. Corey, uh, you do something on the weekend, don't you? Yeah. So my husband and I, we release every Saturday, we release a YouTube video on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko. And um, we do a chapter by chapter recap of all of the assigned reading 
for that week uh, from the Bible Discovery Guide. And uh, it's the idea is basically to just get you caught back up on your reading if you've fallen behind, because we know we go through it really quickly. So it's really easy if you miss a day, it's hard to get caught back up. So to get you caught back up so you don't have to, you know, just get farther and farther and farther behind, we have come up with the, with the weekly recap. So check it out if that interests you. And it does interest me. And uh, I encourage you to be a part of that. We also hear that on the live 24-7 stream, which is on a Bible Discovery TV network called Family and Friends. Uh, so it's very, very important. I love, too, how you have some people who are very studious mm-hmm. and they want to just make sure that they have captured it properly, mm-hmm. you know, and they kind of retest themselves as you're talking about. It. I love that. <laughs> I was not studious in school. I really wasn't. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Do the question. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have a question today. And it is based anywhere from our reading for the last seven days from Jeremiah chapter 29 through to chapter 50. All right. For some, this is going to be a very easy answer. For others of you who have just joined us or who have never read through the Bible, this might be a little bit more tricky. So I'm going to read the question twice so that you can get your Bible out and do the old-fashioned Bible drills, only I'm not giving you where the reference is, but you can go into Jeremiah. Here's the question first time. What was the name of the Ethiopian eunuch responsible for rescuing Jeremiah? What was the name of the Ethiopian eunuch responsible for rescuing Jeremiah? All right, Ryan and Corey, here are the answers. Hashem, Ebed-Melech, or Samgar-Nebo? Which one was it? Was it Hashem, Ebed-Melech, or Samgar-Nebo? What do you think? You want to answer this Pretty one? confident. Yeah. Yes. yes. We're going to go number two, Ebed-Melech. Now, if you at home guessed Ebed-Melech, you are absolutely right. Please check me out. Jeremiah chapter 38. You can read all about this section from verse 7 all the way to 13. It was, in fact, Ebed-Melech. Yes, Ethiopian. Went to the king. That's right. We also run into an Ethiopian in the New Testament uh, who is baptized in the the desert. Very, very interesting. Uh, And that's that. we'll get to that. We're coming up on the New Testament too. Enjoy the weekend, but go to church this weekend. Today we need to pray, and as we do so, we've followed up the prayers that we've already listed on the screen. But let's pray together, you and I. Father, I pray today that you would help us to know who you are. And if people are listening, don't know you, come into our lives. Forgive us of our sin. We know you died on the cross and rose again, and we need you in our life. Give us a new life. Give us your Holy Spirit and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.